This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Sunday Showcase, highlighting some of the best audio storytelling found anywhere. All right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Welcome back to Mutual Presents, episode 417. I'm Jack Ward, right here with Penny the Cat. People have sometimes asked about the number system on our schedule. The first number represents the season, four, and the last, separated by the point or period symbol, is that episode, in this case, 17. And with that bit of mathematical wonder, let's head to Wednesday Wonders. From the past, exploring tomorrow, with our double feature, Meddler's Moon, and the trouble with robots. So wind back those clocks as we start the show. Now, Step into the incredible, amazing future as we go exploring tomorrow. And now, here is your guide to these adventures of the mind, John Campbell, Jr., night as I was going up the stair, I met a little man who wasn't there. He wasn't there again today. My gosh, I wish he'd go away. I knew Gillette Burgess, who penned those immortal lines. Uh, how do you get rid of the little man who isn't there in the first place? Well, uh, Peter Manson was a physicist, a scientist. And uh, his trouble started was a little man who wasn't there. Submatrix X integrated to pi over two plus confound. May I come in, Mr. Manson? Oh, I well, thank somebody. you. Are you alone? Uh, yes. Well, then she hasn't arrived yet. I wasn't expecting anybody. Oh, I am. But if she isn't here yet, I'll have some time to explain. Who is it? Well, one thing at a time, sir. Now, first, have you ever considered the problem of time travel? Time travel? Why, that's impossible. Oh, now don't say impossible because you invented it. I've done nothing of the sort. History says you did. What history? History says that you invented time travel machinery and applied for a United States patent on June 16, 1964. What history? That's six years from now. Ah, but not from my point of view. You see, I've used one of your own time machines to come back from your future. Fifty years through my past to this date, your present. Do you understand? You claim you have traveled 50 years through time? I am here. That's proof. I don't believe a word of it. Well, look them over. This is your own personal notebook, 50 years later than it is now. Actually, that's the same one that's on your desk right now. Now, this is a copy of your patent. Now, these documents say I'm right. I say so. See, in my day, you are the wealthy and famous Peter Manson. Well, do you want my autograph? Uh, you may be right, but I'm not wealthy yet. Oh, 
I'm not after anything. I'm here to help you. I don't need any help. Do you know the first thing about your future? Of course not. Well, I do. I know just about everything that you're going to do in the next 50 years. Prove it. What am I going to do next? You are about to be introduced to the woman who will become your wife. I already know her. We're engaged. Oh, you mean Laura Phillips. Well, no doubt she's a nice enough girl, but she's not for you. You'll break that engagement shortly. I'll do no such thing. Hendry says you did. Not will do. Did. But you... Yes. Yes, Laura. No, Laura, not... But Laura... Come on, we... tell her now and get it over with. You shut up. No, Laura, I didn't mean you. No. No, Laura, she's not here. She hung up. Oh, I wouldn't listen to you, huh? And that's your fiancé. Uh, she wouldn't do that. Huh? Uh, is uh, this uh, Oh, Miss Carter. Now, we've been expecting you. Please come in. All right, but just for a minute. No, Harry, you wait by the door, but stay close. Oh, I'm... Now, um, Miss <clears throat> Amelia Carter, may I present... Get that dame out of here. Dame? Please, now, this is hardly a way to start a lifetime. Lifetime? Yes, history says so. Fifty years and still going when I left. Now, stop this hostility. You might as well save time, too, now. Now, start off with the first names. Amelia, this is Peter. Peter, be nice to Amelia. You really should be gracious, generous, anxious to create a good first impression. Don't tell me how to behave. Don't you blow a fuse, Grandpa. Grandpa! I am Peter Emil Manson III, your grandson. A note that the middle name is the masculine form of Amelia, your wife, my grandmother. Grandmother? Yes, indeed. Your son is my father. But I'm not married yet. Oh, but you will be. Now, Grandpa, you sit you here. Cut this Grandpa stuff right now. Well, I'm sorry, but I've been taught that it, it, it's impolite to call my grandparents by their given names. Of course, you don't look much like the old duffer that I know as Grandpa. Oh, now, Grandpa, I'll... Calm down and you start making like romance. You know, you're not even engaged to Grandma yet. Don't uh, call me Grandma! Oh, pardon me, it, it is impertinent, but you are quite a dish. Uh, now that I've seen you in your youth, I, I can understand why Grandpa threw over this Laura Phillips girl. I can hardly believe that you'll become that sweet little old lady. Mr. Madsen, what's he talking about? He's a time traveler from the future who says he can prove that we met, got married, and... Now, don't go any further. I'm afraid he's right. He says it's history, and we can't change history. Can but we? I hardly know you. Oh, well, if you'd known each other, I wouldn't have to introduce you, would I? Maybe somebody'd better explain this to me. Ah, fine. Now we're off to a start. Highball, Grandmother? Yeah, I think I need one. <laughs> now a little more romantic setting... Soft lights now. And now I'll leave you two to canoodle a bit. I've other things. But Harry! Harry. I'll take care of Harry. That'll be Laura. Run high. Do something. Relax, Grandpa. I'll take care of everything. It was Peter Manson wasn't the only one having trouble with the little man who wasn't there. No, the future cannot be handled logically. It's logically impossible because... Uh, it doesn't exist yet. And if it doesn't exist, then obviously it isn't logical. But it's going to exist, so... Well, you, you see what I mean. Logic is just hopeless. I should ought to clobber you. Oh, now be reasonable, Harry. It wouldn't prove anything. But Amelia's my girl. Get over it, Harry. They're probably arranging their engagement right now. You You're... meddler. I am not a meddler, Laura. I'm just an instrument of fate. Fate? Poor Peter thrown to that blonde lion. Oh, uh, you stop calling my girl names, you hear? Oh, you're acting like a pair of spoiled children. Now stop it. 
I regret that you've lost your loves, but really no one ever actually died of unrequited love. Mine wasn't unrequited. Well, it might as well be once they're happily married. Happily married? Well, you wouldn't want them unhappy, would you? No, I'd like a little happiness myself. Well, so would we all, but stop and think. Now, if a number of human lives depended upon your giving up a love affair, would you go on selfishly and marry the man anyway? Well, that's hardly fair. Well, then I'll put it up to Harry. Harry, if your own life depended upon preventing a wrong marriage, would you stand by and let them go ahead? Make your own point. You're the meddler. All right. All right. My life depends upon it. My father's life depends upon it. Unless Peter Manson and Amelia Carter marry, neither my father nor I can be born. Now, knowing this, I used my grandfather's time machine, came back to give a formal introduction. Now, you can't blame me for wanting to live, so I came back and I fixed it up. Yes, you're a great little fixer-upper. Maybe we should ought to fix you up and then go on as we please about it. You don't know much about time and history, do you? No, but I could make you up a... You could not. You could not change a thing. Why not? If your father and mother had never met, could you have been born? Oh, don't be utterly ridiculous. Now, don't ever be scornful of stating a simple fact. I exist, therefore I am. Now, say it as you please. To you, Peter and Amelia will marry. To me, Peter and Amelia married 50 years ago. Now, the sensible thing to do is to accept the fact. Wipe it off the slate. Pick up the pieces and go on from there. Such as? Well, now, you're both very attractive people. You have a common bond of memory. Hey, my time. Well, I looked at better myself. Oh, Gad, this is a primitive era. Tell folks what's best for them and they want to... What is the term, Harry? Clobber you. Yes, that's right. Clobber me. That's the best idea I've heard all night. No, not here. Outside, where I can stop being a lady. Then I'll help you. Well, you can beat me up, but you can't change something that's already happened. Now, can you? Look, I've taken all I can. I'm going home. Okay, can I? Oh, uh, that is a fine practical arrangement. Find sympathy in one another. It's the better thing to do. And maybe you'll find happiness with one another, too. <laughs> Well, if I cut my throat, I can't invent the time machine, and then he couldn't come back and mess up our lives by forcing me to marry you. Ah, you'd rather commit suicide than marry me. Oh, now, Amelia, stop it. That's not so. Oh, so you'd rather marry me than commit suicide. Oh, stop the bawling and let me think. Peter, you think he'd go away from me? It looked like, like everything was running smooth. What do you mean? Well, suppose we stopped squabbling and, and complaining and made up to one another so he'd think we were happy and... And convinced that he's right. Maybe he'd be satisfied and go back where he came from. Then we could do as we please. Won't work. Why not? That character is our grandson, Amelia. Already he knows what we're going to do. Well, aren't you even willing to try? I'll try, but it's futile. What did you have in mind? Well, I just know he's coming back tonight. We could make it look as if we'd been getting acquainted. Well, what have we been doing for the past couple of hours playing tiddly... Hey, 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 let's go, my dear. Don't just mucking up a little. If we're really getting acquainted, you not look as if we've been sitting with folded hands. Hey, stop that. Well, if you really love me, you wouldn't mind my mussing up your hair, do then? All right. There. Now you look like we've been wrestling. Mm. Where's my bag? What for? Lipstick. You should have a few smears. Well, with you looking like a magazine cover, lipstick is a two-way smear, right? Oh, yeah. I suppose so. You sound as though Harry was the only man you ever kissed. We ever get around to it, Peter Manson. You'll be the only man that's ever been kissed just because history said he had to be. So there. If I got it, I got it. All right. Once for history. Hmm. Let's see you now. You need uh, more of a spread. Hmm. You need a touch right there. 
supposed to mean? There's one thing history didn't mention. What, Peter? History didn't say this could be fun. Peter? It'd be funny, wouldn't it? What could be funny? Just take wait. And then? When we found out after he'd gone that we really did like it. Yeah. Yeah, wouldn't it? Peter? Yes? Wouldn't that store? Yeah, so let him wait. Now remember to look flustered. And, and try to wipe your face, too. Well, I see everything's progressing fine. All right, now, 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 go away. Oh, huh? I'm not going to stay. I just wanted to see how things were getting along. I know what I'm not wanting. Then why did you come here in the first place? Well, you think you hate me for my interference, but you wait and remember, in 50 years, the pair of you will be sending me off in my time machine to do this job of fixing up. And you, Grandma... Stop you... calling me Grandma! You're still my Grandma, and you'll tell me that you and Grandpa actually wasted your first kisses trying to fool me into leaving. So now I'll trot along, but I'll be back tomorrow. And don't you keep her out too late, Grandpa. What'd you do with Harry? Oh, I fixed that up fine. Harry volunteered to escort Grandpa's former girlfriend to her home. Harry and Laura? Laura with Harry? Peter? Yes, Amelia? <laughs> to heck with history. Kiss me once. Oh, for goodness sake, it's three o'clock. I know what time it is. But, but, but what I want to know is what you're doing. Now, I'm trying to think. Yes, you look as if you've got it all settled. Oh, what can I do? You might wash that blonde hussy's magenta lipstick off your silly face. Now, Laura, Laura, I can, uh, I can explain. I'm listening. Convince me that you got all smeared up without enjoying it. Come on, come on, convince me. You went home with Harry to be trust, didn't you? Well, I didn't see anyone around making me another offer. But I will. I know. Working like a little beaver, making history come out right. Well, what am I supposed to do? Bang my head against brick walls, tilt at windmills? Confound it, am I the only one around here with sense enough to know what I'm licked? Well, you might not be so completely licked if Amelia Carter were as ugly as mud sense. Well, it does make my defeat less difficult to bear. Well, make it complete, then. Have this expanded to fit her pudgy little hand. My ring. But Laura... Goodbye, what? Peter. Wait, wait, don't go. What's to say for to be a maid of honor? If you came to quarrel with me, you yourself are doing everything to prove Junior's point. If he were here, he'd be cheering you into hating me and using my telephone for calling Harry to take you home. Look, I didn't come here to fight with you, Peter. I came here to fight for you. But you're not fighting. Junior knows all the moves. No matter what I try, everything turns out his way. Yeah, it's like your experimental smooching session. Yeah, that too. He was amused. I'm not. May have started as a deliberate frame-up, but it certainly ended up ginger peachy for his little old program. I tell you, he knows every move. He came back here just to tell Amelia and me that you had gone home with Harry. And 50 years from now, you and Amelia will dodder over to his time machine and kiss your brat at the grandson goodbye as he goes off to make the introduction. That's the program, isn't it? Well, what can we do? Peter, you say everything's fixed and solid. It can't be changed. Well, that's the way it is. But let's just suppose that you could quietly unfix Junior's little apple cart. Well, then we'd go on as if he never arrived. Well, couldn't you? I can't prevent what's already happened. He exists. He is. He's here in the flesh. No. I suppose you can't change that, can you? No. Well, then, goodbye, Peter. Uh, wait a minute, Laura. What if Junior were a different kind of guy? What do you mean? Look, Laura. 
He's the grandson of Amelia and me, right? Mm-hmm. If I don't marry Amelia, he doesn't get born. He can't exist unless we follow every move right down to the last letter of the historic record he talks about, right? Yes. But let's assume that the future is not a firm and solid hunk of recorded history. Well, everyone but you and Junior have been saying that all along, but you keep pointing at Junior's history book and saying no. But suppose that Junior's history book is only one of many possible histories. Then how do you explain his solid existence? Floating a brick on water is not impossible. It's just extremely unlikely. Oh, stop sounding like a mathematics professor, Peter. Go, get to this important point. Until Junior arrived with his books and his papers to show me, uh, us, how we were going to act, he was rather unlikely as a future probability. Mm-hmm. But once he convinces us and introduces me to Amelia, Junior's existence becomes a very strong probability. In other words, he exists because he did the fixing that put history on the road that leads directly to him. Well... You could rob a bank and get tossed in jail, and that would stop you from marrying anybody. Well, we can't change things that drastically. But we might slip a little change in Junior's character. How can we do that? Suppose we could create another very strong future probability. Mightn't he come back and fight just as strong for his own existence? But how can you do anything like that? Laura, would you marry me right here and now? Peter, at three o'clock in the morning? Peter, it's Junior again. Don't go. Don't go. Oh, no, no, no. Well, good morning. I'm in time, I see. You come in. I was hoping you would arrive. I am the Reverend Peter Laurel Manson III. You'll notice that my middle name is the masculine form of the given name of my grandmother, Laura. Peter, here is the other probability. Precisely. Let's get along with it quickly before something else oh, happens. Please, huh? we must not be impatient. There must be witnesses. But I have prepared for everything. Everything. And you permit me. Do come in. Oh, this is a most auspicious occasion. Amelia! And Harry, what are they doing well, here? people here appear to have forgotten that a man has four grandparents. Well, I'm still a bit confused. Oh, my dear, if I had not been prepared for this rare and happy occasion, I should be quite disturbed. It isn't often that a man has the opportunity of officiating at a double wedding ceremony uniting his grandparents. Can you make this stick? Yes, yes. Now, unless I double-cross this double ceremony, <clears throat> now, Peter, take Laura's hand and stand away over here on my left. Now we all sort it out properly. Fine. History says that Peter and Laura will have a stalwart son. Harry and Amelia will have a fine daughter. Son and daughter are my own parents. Are you sure? I arrived a bit late, my dear, because I have been quite a busy man. I made a stopover on my trip through time, pausing long enough to unite in marriage your son with their daughter. It was a lovely wedding. largely fiction, science fiction. We make no guarantees, however, how long it will remain fiction. Exploring tomorrow. And now, 
Now here is your guide to these adventures of the mind, John Campbell, Jr. The problem of dealing with robots is a rather peculiar thing. You know, when you deal with another human being, you can say, well, uh, you know what I mean. And you can say, yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. When you're dealing with a robot, though, you have a different situation. If you say, you know what I mean, the robot says, the, no, tell me. The trouble with the robot is that it will always do exactly what you tell it, whether it makes sense or not. It has no judgment whatever. For instance, a, an automobile is a robot. You tell it to drive straight ahead, it drives straight ahead, right into the concrete bridge abutment. It doesn't have any sense. Uh, another thing, if we say home is the hunter, to a man this makes sense. Uh, we think of the poem as a quotation. What would such a phrase mean to a robot? A report from James Martin, Special Agent for the Director of the United Nations Intelligence Service, February 19, 1993. Dear Chief, I hope you had a happy St. Valentine's Day. I wish I could say the same for myself. The way it looks now, the only Valentine I'll get will be one with my epitaph on it. I hope this report reaches you eventually. You may never get it, or if you do, I may be dead by then. Maybe it was a good idea to take this section of Europe and reform the country of Transylvania again, but right now I'm inclined to doubt it. Since Transylvania became a new country, there have been queer things going on here. As for your instructions, I got an appointment to see Baron Decklitz, the Prime Minister. When the appointment came through, I was met at the front door of my hotel by Colonel Bronlick, the head of the Transylvanian secret police. Ah, Mr. Martin. I was instructed to escort you to Castle Decklitz. You have an appointment with the Baron, I believe. Yes, that's right. And you are... I am Colonel Bronlick at your service, Mr. Martin. Come. This is our limousine here at the curb. Well, this is uh, very kind of you, Colonel. Kind? Not at all. It is my duty. You are an agent of the United Nations. It is therefore my duty to escort you about. Especially when you are going to call on our Prime Minister, Baron Decklitz. I see. I, uh... I suppose we'll have to wait for your chauffeur. Oh, not at all, Mr. Martin. This is a robot-operated automobile. Observe. I merely press this button. Yes, Colonel Ron Lake. Drive us to the Castle Decklets. Yes, sir. Well, Mr. Martin, do we not have all the modern conveniences here in Transylvania? Oh, yes, yes, very modern. You'll have telephones next. We have uh, robot-operated machines in my country, too, Colonel, but I must admit that none of them are capable of talking as this one does. You find that unusual? Well, yes, yes. A robot brain capable of conversation would be too large to fit in this automobile. <laughs> the brain is not in this car, Mr. Martin. This vehicle is guided by remote control. The actual brain of the robot is in an underground chamber beneath the castle decklets. Oh? yes. The Baron's castle may look on the outside as though it were a thousand years old, but the equipment within is quite modern. Well, I have to admit that it's pretty convenient to have robot-operated remote-controlled transportation. All of the Baron's transportation works this way. His cars, his aircraft, his boats, everything. Hmm. Sounds as though Baron Decklitz runs the whole country by remote control. With a robot like that around, it's a wonder he needs any human helpers. Mr. Martin... I will thank you not to criticize the government of Pennsylvania. Sorry, I didn't mean to offend. 
After all, I am supposed to be a diplomat. You might try harder, Mr. Martin. Why is the car slowing down, Colonel? Do you see the portcullis? That heavy steel grate that closes the entrance? That, too, is controlled by the robot brain. The Baron certainly seems to be well guarded. Very well guarded, indeed, Mr. Martin. It is difficult for anyone to get into Castle Decklitz. It is even more difficult to get out. Exploring Tomorrow continues in just a moment. All of us as American citizens believe in our inherent liberties and freedoms such as the freedom for educational, social, and economic opportunity. Our American system of education is the fertile soil which feeds the roots of democracy. By teaching us to think for ourselves, it has given us a deeper understanding of life around us and the ability to regulate our thoughts and opinions. But we must always be alert to the fact that with this freedom comes a responsibility the responsibility of using our opportunities to their best advantage so that we benefit from them not only as individuals, but as a united nation. Accept that responsibility and ensure your freedom. United Nations agent Jim Martin had managed to get an appointment to see Baron Decklitz, prime minister of the newly formed country of Transylvania. But now that he had gotten inside the Baron's castle, he was beginning to see what was wrong with the new country. Because the castle itself was nothing more nor less than a huge robot. He had managed to get inside a robot. That castle was a real nightmare. There were hidden television cameras everywhere, and they all relayed everything they saw to that big brain in the cellar. No matter where a man might go in that castle, he was never out of the sight of those robotic eyes. Colonel Bronwick escorted me into a big, comfortable, ultra-modern room, told me to help myself to the sherry, and left me to wait for Baron Declan's. I went over to the bar. But there were no glasses there, no bottle of sherry. I thought that maybe the colonel was having a little joke, when suddenly a voice came from a wall speaker. What would you like to drink, sir? Oh, uh, a glass of sherry. Yes, sir. slid open in the wall and a glass of sherry came out. Good evening, Mr. Martin. No, no, no. Don't bother to rise. Sit down. Now, how may I help you? Good evening, Your Excellency. May I present my identification? No, stop. Before you put your hand in your pocket, Mr. Martin, let me warn you not to try to draw a gun. I assure you that if you tried it, you would be detected by my robot and you would be shot down where you stand long before you could aim your own gun. A robot can think and act much faster than a human being can, Mr. Martin. Well, I didn't come here to kill you, Baron. I'm not an assassin. I'm, I'm here on United Nations business. Yes, I am aware of that. I merely wanted to warn you. And now, please, your identification. Yes, here it is, sir. Thank you. Yes, that seems to be in order. Now, what business does the United Nations have with the Prime Minister of Transylvania? Well, I'll be frank with you, Baron. There's something wrong here in Transylvania. 
The U.N. doesn't interfere with the internal government of its members unless the government is violating the basic rights of its citizens. Now, frankly, sir, Transylvania is doing just that. You impudent young swine! Transylvania is a scientifically run country. It is run by mathematically logical principles. All decisions of the government are analyzed carefully by robotic computers. Well, yes, but... You think I make the policy for the country? No! All policy decisions are made by the robots. So that they can be scientifically accurate. What happened? The lights went out. The power has been cut off. Someone... Oh, Martin, you shot me. You cut off the power so my robot could not operate. Aaron. I will get you, Martin. When the lights came on again a second or two later, the Baron was sprawled on the floor. I looked around the room, but I couldn't see anyone. I hadn't shot the Baron. I didn't even carry a gun. Whoever had killed him made a clean getaway so far. I knew I had to get out of there, too. Just before the power went off, I'd been arguing with the Baron. When the robot came to, it would shoot me down with the hidden automatic guns in the walls. I had to get out of the castle decklets. When I got outside, I saw that the steel gate in the side wall of the castle was open. Nearby was the car that had brought us in. The keys were in the ignition. I got inside, fast. I gunned the car toward the gate. Just as I came near, the gate began to close. And just as I went through the gate, it slammed shut. I breathed easier after that. At least I'd managed to get out of the castle decklets. But I'd forgotten one thing. When the car started to slow up, I pushed down harder on the accelerator. But it didn't help. Hey, hey what's going on? The car's turning around. I can't control it. It's taking me back to the castle. A machine, no matter how complex and intelligent it may appear, is still a machine. The trouble with the machine is that once it's set to do a particular job, it doesn't do any good to argue with it. The only way to stop it is to shut it off or wreck it. Jim Martin was in no position to do either. It was kind of like being in an automatic elevator with the controls stuck. It was going where it was going and there wasn't anything you could do about it. I knew I'd have to get out of that car. It wasn't going very fast yet, so I decided to jump before it got up too much speed. I rolled across the road. It shook me up a little to jump out of a moving car, but I wasn't hurt. I got up, brushed off the dirt, and started down the road toward the city. I was about five miles away through the thick forest and about six miles by road. I decided to follow the road. I didn't want to get lost. I'd been walking about ten minutes when I heard a noise. It was a helicopter coming from the direction of the castle. I got off the road fast and hid under a tree. It was dark. And even with the moon shining, it would have been hard for a human being to spot me from the air. The television eyes of that helicopter were sharper than human eyes. The robot saw me. You must come back to the castle, sir. Not me, Buster. The helicopter will land. You will get in. The moon lit up the helicopter pretty well. I could see the snouts of the mounted machine guns pointing at me. But I didn't care. I figured that going back to the castle would be certain death anyway. 
I jumped behind the tree and then dived under a nearby bush and started crawling. Where are you? You must come back. I just laid flat and kept quiet. And then I heard another sound on the road. There was a car coming. Robert! This is Colonel Bronlick. I noticed the helicopter hovering, so I came immediately. Is the murderer Martin nearby? Yes. He is somewhere in the woods to your right. Excellent. I have a squad of men here. We will capture him. Yes. He must go back to the castle. All right, men. Spread out. Cover the whole area. He must be somewhere close by. Turn on the searchlight. I knew they'd spot me soon. There was a spotlight moving near me. I decided that my only chance was to run for it. If I stayed where I was, I'd die. Here goes. There he is! Stop him! Shoot him down! There was the craziest gun battle I'd ever seen. Before the soldiers could shoot me, the helicopter's weapons had gunned them down. And while it was doing that, Colonel Bronlick had climbed back into his armored car and shot down the helicopter with the turret gun. By the time the whole thing was over, I was well hidden in the underbrush. Pretty soon I heard the armored car drive away. But I just stayed where I was. It didn't make sense. Why had the robot's helicopter shot down the soldiers? Whose side was the robot on, anyway? I decided that since everything was quiet now, I'd better get moving. I wanted to get to the city by dawn. So I crawled out from my hiding place and headed for the road again. I didn't get far. Put up your hands, Mr. Martin. What? Colonel Bronlick. I, uh, I didn't see you behind that tree. I, I thought you'd driven off in the armored car. Oh, no. As soon as I shot down the helicopter, the robot brain took control of the car. I jumped out. I uh, suppose you're going to shoot me like you shot the Baron? Hmm. Of course. The robot is convinced that you killed the Baron. And so will the people of Transylvania be convinced. And I will proclaim myself the new Prime Minister. No wonder this country's in trouble. The Baron was a crackpot and so are you. What? Well... Looks like the robot has another helicopter to operate. Good. The robot can kill you and save me the trouble. Well, I don't think so. Have you figured out why the other helicopter shot down your men instead of shooting down me? An accident. The robot could not see well in the dark. Perhaps I should not have shot it down, but it was obviously faulty. Now, you're not thinking straight tonight, Colonel. You must get in the helicopter, Mr. Martin. You must go back to the castle. Well, I'm afraid I can't do that. If I move, the colonel will shoot me. That cannot be permitted. Well, thanks. Thanks, Robert, old boy. That's the end of the man who shot the baron. That does not concern me. My orders are to bring you back alive. Get in the helicopter, please. Anything you say, pal. Let's go. The helicopter took me back to the castle decklets. When it landed in the courtyard, the robot had more orders for me. Go into the main hall. The Baron wants you. I walked back to the room where the Baron had been shot. My hunch had been right. The Baron, stubborn old cuss, had refused to believe that he was dying. He wanted to teach me a lesson. So he'd given the robot orders to bring me back alive. Alive. So that meant that if anyone threatened my life, the robot would have to stop them. And it used its automatic machine guns to do it. It didn't matter to the robot that the Baron was dead. As long as the Baron's hand was on that control button, 
the robot had to obey its orders. It had hunted me down and brought me back. I walked over to the control panel and talked into the microphone. Robot, you will obey my orders now. Yes, sir. Very well. As soon as I leave here, you will cease operation. You will turn yourself off. You will never operate again. Do you understand? Yes, sir. All right. Now I'm going to go out and take one of the Baron's cars. He won't need it. Well, that about winds up the report, Chief. I hope I'll be able to deliver it to you. I'm in my hotel room right now, but there's rioting in the streets outside. Transylvania has been turned upside down. Nobody knows who killed their Prime Minister, Baron Decklitz, nor do they know who machine-gunned Colonel Bromley. But the worst trouble is with the robot. You see, the Baron had the idea he could run the whole country with the robot. It was supposed to be a scientific form of government. That robot ran almost everything in the whole area. It controlled the power plants, the telephones, transportation, even the garbage disposal. And ever since it shut itself off, nothing has worked in the whole country. As a result, Transylvania has no government and no organization. The idea of running a government by machine was a failure. trouble with a lot of very logical and honest people is that they think that logic is both necessary and sufficient, when it's really only necessary. The idea of a machine government was a failure. It always will be. Now, the trouble with the Baron was that he forgot one basic thing. It's sane for men to run machines, but it's insane for a machine to run men. Machines can handle truth and do a perfect job of it. But they cannot handle judgment. They have not. Heard in our cast tonight were Larry Haynes and Don Douglas. Script was by Randall Garrett. Produced and directed by Sanford Marshall here in New York. Bill Maher speaking. And that's this week's Mutual Presents feature. The Mutual Audio Network brings the best of old-time radio and modern audio theater to the world. Be sure to subscribe through the Mutual Audio Network podcast feed, any of our podcast days, or the Mutual YouTube channel, which includes MadCon and many other extra features and shows. See you all next time at Mutual Presents. Good night. Now, you seem to me to be a connoisseur of the best of radio drama. In which case, make sure you're subscribed to the Monday Matinee Feed. There we have our weekly series of dramatic, theatrical, classic, eclectic, and live radio drama. So, yeah... 
either the main mutual audio network feed for all types and genres of audio drama, or the Monday matinee. And we'll see you there. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.